So in general, I like to uh, at least maintain the illusion of uh, objectivity. Emily, when I when I do this pod, like I like to make it seem like maybe the story we're covering here did not come from my mind as some sort of like fan fiction. But this feels like it's going to be impossible today. Pablo, this is going to be an insufferable episode for everybody else except for you. I kid, I kid. But um, <laughs> I do know about you. This is the one thing I know is that you're a Filipino American and one of your defining personality traits is basking mm. in the success of other Filipinos. So yes, this is going to be impossible. Yes, because the person that we are here to introduce our audience to, the person you've profiled is, is who? One of the most dominant players in the NHL right now, the guy getting the most buzz over the season's first two months and emerging face of this league. His name is Jason Robertson. He is a winger for the Dallas Stars and he is indeed Filipino-American. Yeah, I, it's, I, <laughs> I didn't think this was possible. Can I say that up top? I didn't think that we made Jason Robertson's. So just level with me here. Like, I guess you have to be the person who is bringing truth and, and balance here. How good is he? Pablo, he's really, really good. He's a second round pick of the Dallas Stars in 2017. This is a guy that in his first season in the league was a runner up for the Calder Trophy. Right, the NHL's Rookie of the Year award. I talked to his GM this week, Jim Nill, and he said, look, we all knew he was a good player, but what he is doing right now is extremely special. He is taking it to that next level. Robertson sent it, front score! He poked it in off of Vakanainen! He's leading the league in goals. Robertson. Tehaskin in top of the zone, back for Robertson. Shot, score! The man's unstoppable right now. As we record this, in the first week of December... The MVP conversation, of course, includes Connor McDavid, a generational talent. Sure. But Jason Robertson is right there with him. Jason Robertson is on the right side. The puck goes there. He's got two tonight. Hand off for Haskinen, and Robertson gets it back. Shot. Score! And here come the hats. I actually think he has a legitimate chance to win league MVP this year. I mean, a Filipino guy is leading the NHL in goals. Emily, like, uh, <laughs> before before I, I, you know, get a back tattoo, I feel like this is a story that maybe more than just me did not see coming. No, absolutely. And this is a great story for the NHL because if there's one thing about the league that I cover, it's that it's obsessed with growing the game. And it's been a predominantly white sport, a predominantly affluent sport. And we're always looking for diverse perspectives and diverse stories to bring other people in. Sure. And so here is a guy who was born in California, who found the sport through the LA Kings, one of the NHL success stories, and he's thriving and he's doing awesome. And this is exactly what the NHL wants to see right now. And it's not just you, everyone should see it too. And he has great hair. Can we talk about that? The flow is... is, is... How would you grade that part? He's got excellent flow, and I think the best thing about Jason is he knows how to flip it. Like, when we filmed this story, it was in late August. He was in a contract stalemate with the Dallas Stars at the time. It's a stressful time. We did the story actually on a boat. Honestly, we just wanted to see a 22-year-old NHL player sit on a boat with that hair. And let me tell you, watching it flow through the wind, (laughs) 
aesthetically, we made the right choice. Majestic. All of this sounds majestic. It's a majestic story, and we're just getting started. There is no winter in the Philippines. That feels like useful context for you here. There are actually only two seasons, and this is not a joke in any way. Wet and dry. The lowest recorded temperature in the history of the country is 43 degrees Fahrenheit. And I can personally verify that the writer Mark Cram had it right when he described the humidity at the Thrilla in Manila, quote, wrapping around the body like a heavy, wet rope. So, yeah, my ancestral homeland is not exactly known for anything resembling ice or hockey. But today, we tell the story of how a legit MVP candidate named Jason Robertson and his whole family are changing all of that somehow in Dallas, one goal at a time. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Wednesday, December 7th. This is ESPN Daily. Shopping for Father's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Father's Day. Whether you're shopping for your brother's first Father's Day or your Renaissance man grandpa, whose interests, of course, are all over the map, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and over, You can also sort by category, like cologne, watches, and more. Or gift lists for items like, I don't know, your grill master or golfer in your life. You can also get top tech, from Beats headphones to JBL portable speakers. Or if you're looking for top brands, you'll find gifts from Calvin Klein, Polo Ralph Lauren, and Columbia. So what are you waiting for? Father's Day is June 16th and we'll be here before you know it. Macy's offers the ultimate gift guide to making selecting something special for dad incredibly easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. So Emily, this is where I have to confess that for all of the people who are in my mentions, for all of the relatives who are in my inbox demanding information about this kid, I, I, I don't have it, but you do. So where does this story, where does the Jason Robertson story really begin? So maybe we should begin with his parents. Um, His mother, Mercedes, was born in Manila in the Philippines, and she moved to the U.S. when she was three years old. She settled in California. That's where she met Jason's father, Hugh, who is a lawyer. And they raise a family of five kids. They're a very athletic family. Jason is not the only guy that even made the NHL. One of his younger brothers, Nick, is now a forward with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And their sister, Bree, she is a professional fighter in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah, they're just a classic NHL, non-traditional hockey market success story because Jason and his brother discover hockey through the LA Kings growing up in the LA area. He was born in 1999. Uh, His father and his grandfather were both King season ticket holders. And going to L.A. Kings games and watching L.A. Kings games growing up stroked his interest in hockey. When you were growing up in California, what was interest in the Los Angeles Kings like? I didn't know anything else, really, when I was growing up. Uh, It's just the L.A. Kings here. I remember my favorite player growing up was uh, Jason Allison because his name was Jason, right? When you see someone on your has your own name, you get excited. But the sort of L.A. area, Southern California hockey circuit... 
Emily. What was that like? I mean, we'll talk about the Philippines and its, uh, you know, dearth of exports in a bit. But like, what was it like just in the neighborhood where Jason was growing up? You know, in the early 2000s, hockey was growing massively in Southern California. It's not quite as big as it was now. So Jason talks about being in school growing up and he and his brother were the only hockey players. And so no one really knew kind of what they were about, the sport. When I was in K through five, it was it was a little bit weird because no one else played hockey, right? And there were a couple hundred kids in school. So we were definitely the only hockey players. So we couldn't relate to anyone. Like they were really passionate and they were ingrained in this hockey community, but it still was definitely considered a niche sport. When I was growing up, all I knew was the Kings, but all I knew was, you know, the one team that had your age, five teams maybe in the whole, you know, two-hour radius. So it wasn't a lot of teams, wasn't a lot of players. You just try to grab kids from everywhere. Ice time was pretty difficult to find in Southern California. There just weren't, again, that many rinks in the early 2000s. Um, so right. Hugh actually built a synthetic rink in their backyard so the boys could practice more. That was all great and dandy until you see a photo of this thing, and it is ginormous. Yeah, and what, is, what is a synthetic rink? I've never heard of a synthetic rink. It is synthetic ice, so you can skate on it with real blades. It doesn't involve actual ice or ice making. So this is, as you can imagine, a pretty big production. It literally was under like a circus tent, like you're having a big backyard <laughs> wedding, and this is in their backyard. So again, this all sounds cool until you remember that they've got neighbors and the Homeowners Association did not like that very much, so they had to shut it down. Yeah, I'm imagining the HOA not necessarily loving the Robertsons and their uh, synthetic sports arena. But now I, I am very curious, like, does this mean they have a home base and they just stay there and that's where they train? Like, what does it take to raise hockey players at that age in Southern California? Well, there was a lot of sacrifice, but also a lot of creativity needed. I think every city in America thinks it's the worst traffic city in America, but LA really does have a legitimate case. Um, and it was challenging, you know, managing all of these different schedules of the kids and the ice time that was required. So the family bought an RV, Pablo. And it allowed them just to be efficient because while one of the kids had one session on the ice, they could all park in the RV and the others could do their schoolwork. I remember growing, uh, going, you know, from school straight to the rink. And, you know, it was a private school, so everyone had to line up and pick the kids up to school. And you have to get in line, car one by one. And we'd have the big RV, right? Nick actually called it a food truck because their mom was constantly cooking burgers and the kids would come out of the rink and it was kind of like a big hangout spot. And then I remember actually my, um, my mom would make like these forming grill burgers and like kids could like smell that and like my teammates and would come over and my mom had like a, like a food truck, like giving food to everyone and uh, that's what I remember mostly. But it was also a little silly and embarrassing. Yeah, everyone's like, what's an RV doing here, right? So, and then we need all three of us, four of us hop in there, get on our gear and drive to uh, El Segundo or Lakewood or wherever we are. So um, it was it was crazy. You know, we'd, we'd have like a hot dog or something like that, get dressed and then go right to the rink. So as much as I love uh, and relate to, honestly, like a mom working the hell, a Filipino mom working the hell out of a George Foreman grill, you have painted a picture that does feel unsustainable, right? Like RV life... How long did that end up lasting for them? It lasted for a bit until the family realized that, you know what, if these kids are really special at the sport. And at that point, they were proving to be. 
they were going to be stunted by the lack of competitive hockey opportunities in Southern California. They were always flying to tournaments everywhere. There just weren't enough youth teams at that time to really challenge them. And so Mercedes and Hugh made the difficult decision to pull the boys, uh, Nick and Jason, out of school and relocate them to a hockey mecca. And that is 2,200 miles northeast in Detroit, Michigan. So here's some Cali kids who are used to the sun and the beach and that skater lifestyle. Yeah. And they're going in the middle of winter to Detroit, Michigan. I'm trying to say this as much as I can without explicitly spelling it out, <laughs> but it was quite the culture shock in that way. You're a Cali kid from LA, and then all of a sudden you moved to Michigan. What was the transition like? Yeah, it was definitely different. Uh, my dad was actually born in Gross Point, which is maybe 10, 20 minutes south of here. So he was very familiar with this Midwest type of weather. Uh, my mom being from the Philippines and then coming here to Los Angeles. And then coming here, I'm not sure, because she might be kind of like, she lived in LA for how many years? So she was probably a little more shocked. But I think the bigger shock, honestly, for the boys was that they were pulled out of school where they had a social circle and friends. And because life was now going to be so much more geared around hockey, they were going to be homeschooled. We were homeschooled, so we didn't have a lot of, you know, outside people, you know, outside friends. We had, you know, teammates, but we were all like, always together. We were always traveling. We always had our family come back to, so. How was Filipino culture part of your childhood? I think it was something significant. Uh, what my mom always told me was, you know, the Filipino was always about hard work, you know, and family. And um, I think growing up, that's, you know, pretty much what our you know, what's what our lifestyle was. The hard work was there. You know, mm. they were working towards their dreams. They were getting all these practices, tournaments with high-level players. But all they had at that moment were each other and their family unit. And that really strengthened after this move. Yeah, I mean, they're, they've immigrated to hockey town, <laughs> Emily, which is a jarring thing. I mean, they've gone all in on the idea that this is going to be worth the investment. This risk is going to pay off. And on the ice, how does it begin to look for Jason? What does he find out once he's up against, yeah, better competition in a far colder climate? That he can hang. That everything that he was doing and dominating in Southern California translated to other players in his age group across North America. Playing in Michigan opened the door for him to play in the Ontario Hockey League. That's a very highly competitive junior league that's often a path to the NHL. Mm. That generated him some serious NHL interest. The scouts were on him. He was drafted by the Stars in 2017. He actually slipped to the second round. He was probably a first-round talent, but some people had concerns about his skating. But wait, when you say, like, there are skating concerns, what does that mean? What were his sort of limitations? Just that he was a slower player. He didn't have the stride or the speed or maybe the edge work of some of the more elite players. He always had the hands. He was a very creative player. He had a really good hockey IQ. He could see where plays were developing. Mm. You see the NHL today, it is faster and more skilled than ever, and you need to play fast as well. An interesting anecdote about Jason is, again, drilling down that theme of hard work. Um, after his first year with the Dallas Stars, they make it all the way to the Stanley Cup final playing in the bubble in Edmonton. And Jason is called up from the AHL as um, a black ace. That's one of the extra players who gets to hang around. And for 66 days, he was in that dreadful Edmonton bubble and he did not play one minute of hockey. It was a cool experience to be around the guys, whatever. After the season, Rich Peverly, who's the, the Stars player development staff, called Jason and said, look, 
we found an opportunity for you to play in Europe this summer. Great opportunity for you to get some games. And Jason said, with due respect, I know exactly what I need to do. And I just need to get faster and I need to get stronger. And I'm going to do that on my own. And so Jason went back to Michigan that summer and worked on his skating and got a lot faster. What exactly makes him special, though, Emily? What is his superpower if you had to classify him on that level? You know, he has a lot of great attributes. He uses his size to shield pucks. You rarely see him lose battles. Um, He's improved as a skater. He can get in the dirty areas. But his true superpower would be that he's an opportunistic scorer. Off to Rope Hintz. Robertson fires one on net and scores! Just like that! 55 seconds into the third period. It doesn't matter where he is. He's got that vision and he's got the hands that he can find those space and that empty area in the net and completely deceive the goaltender. And that is how he racks up all of his goals. Pavelski knocked it down at the line for Suter. Suter trying to go cross ice. Robertson scores! Nifty hands by Jason Robertson. And so just to be very clear about uh, just how um, rare all of this is, where does he rank in the annals of, uh, yeah, Filipino NHL history? Who were his predecessors in this sport? Well, when Jason made his NHL debut in 2020, he became just the second Filipino-American to play in this league. Uh, The first was Tim Stapleton. Matt Dumba is Filipino-Canadian. He's a defenseman for the Minnesota Wild. Mm. Just for context of how rare this is to see. The 100-plus year history of the NHL, there have only been 32 players with Asian heritage, including nine in the league last season. There are some standout players. There's great cases of visibility. Paul Correa, who's Japanese-Canadian, is probably the greatest. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame just a few years ago. Um, But growing up, there really just weren't many players at the highest level that looked like Jason. Were there many or even any players of Asian heritage that you looked up to? Uh, I'd say the only one would probably be Paul Correa because um, he played for the, the Ducks growing up. Uh, I know he's a Japanese descent, so that's kind of neat. Uh, but not too many. Jason had a very common experience for minorities in hockey. The higher ranks he rose, the less diverse it became and the less there were people that looked like him. And this revolution that the Robertsons are leading on behalf of the Philippines, I mean, yeah, I can only imagine if my family is this excited about this, I can only imagine what his extended family tree is is now sounding like. No, and so I asked Jason too, because I was curious about his mother's history and her family's context of the sport. And this is what he said. My mom and, you know, her her side of the family, you know, I don't even think there's this, there might not have been an ice rink when she was growing up in the Philippines, anywhere. So they didn't know anything what hockey was. So now it's it's pretty fun where my grandmother, who's, you know, in her late 80s, is like watching hockey. She came to my games in Anaheim. Uh, my extended family, they all watch hockey now. They're big into it and they love it. And, and so what's the moment from that 2021-2022 season that you point to, Emily, where you can say this is proof, this is the proof you need, that his family isn't crazy, that this kid is for real. Pablo, I do believe this game in Winnipeg in the regular season was that moment for Jason Robertson. It was his 100th game. He scores one goal. There's Suter. Got one through to Robertson. Nice moves. He tucks it in and scores. What a goal. 
Jason Robertson outweighed an undressed Hellebuck. And the Stars take a 1-0 lead. Scores a second goal. And the Stars the other way, waiting for help. Here's Harley. Robertson, he scores! Then the game goes to overtime. And lo and behold, guess who scores the overtime winner? A race for the puck at center. Robertson, a breakaway for the hat trick in overtime. He scores! What a night! What an exclamation point! A hat trick overtime game winner! his first career hat trick and in the context of the season for the stars there was actually a massive win because they leapfrogged the national predators they got into that first wild card spot making the playoffs was a huge goal and jason robertson's individual heroics got them there jason finishes that season with 41 goals. He becomes just the fourth player in Dallas Stars history to hit that 40 goal mark and that was the season we'll all look back and say, wow, Jason Robertson is going to be a stud in this league. Up next, the Robertsons' takeover of the NHL isn't over yet. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So, Emily, as if this story wasn't already bountiful enough in terms of just, like, throwing catnip in my general direction, it occurs to me that uh, we don't just get to talk about one really good Filipino-American NHL player. We get to talk about a second. Because the Robertson family truly is apparently the gift that keeps on giving. So, tell me about Nick. Nick is a young forward for the Toronto Maple Leafs who is on the cusp of a breakout himself. Again, if we think of the through lines of this story, it's about family and hard work, and they are extremely close. They're each other's best friends. We're really close. Like, I think of 
you know, hockey stopped tomorrow, but for both of us, we'd still be close and find another thing to be close with. You know, we don't even talk much more of hockey. It's more of a, a TV show we're watching or something we're doing later, or video games, whatever. So we're just close all around. When we did this story, we visited them in Michigan. It was August. Jason was in the middle of a contract stalemate with the Dallas Stars. And he said, if you want an authentic, you know, what my life looks like, you got to come to the rink before the sun comes up because that's when me and my brother get out there at 6 a.m. every day. They were working. They were grinding together. Their coach actually told us there was a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert at Comerica Park the week before. And the brothers decided not to go because they felt that that would mess up their training the next morning. So (laughs) these are two really serious kids. They became best friends, their biggest cheerleaders. And now they get a face off against each other in the NHL. But before I fully claim both of them as as my cousins, I do want to know what these brothers are like in direct comparison to each other. Like, I don't know Nick at all. I know Jason is like, you know, uh, he is big and strong. He has he has the cool, long hair. How do you begin to assess them in contrast? Jason is six foot three. He's that typical power forward with that huge reach. Again, we mentioned he's got those soft hands. He's got great puck skills. Nick is a great player too, drafted two years later, also in the second round by the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's been on the come up the last couple of years, on the cusp of breaking through. It almost looks nothing like Jason physically. Like they've got the resemblance as brothers and their facial features, but Five foot nine, shorter, stockier, very muscular, Mm. power forward in his own right, but different player. So what's it like when Nick and Jason have to play each other? Like when they face off on the ice, how does that tend to go for this family? Well, Pablo, the first time it happened was last March. That game was in Toronto. For the first time in more than two years, Dallas faces Toronto, and we talked tonight about a journey that began in Southern California, and now the Robertson brothers face each other in the National Hockey League. Hugh and Mercedes, the parents, obviously come into town. I believe it was Hugh's birthday the night before, so they have this sweet, tender dinner as a family. It's this emotional moment. Look how far we've come. Wow, our two sons are facing off against each other in the NHL. And then Jason, as the visitor in the Dallas Stars, get to the rink the next day, and as he tells it, he sees his brother going and doing his dynamic warm-up. He's getting ready. And Jason's like, I'm going to go mess with him. I'm going to say hi. Remember, like, this is his best friend, the guy he trains with more than he trained with anyone else in the entire league. Right. They grew up in an RV together. Come on. And, you know, I'm like, oh, trying to go mess with him, trying to go up to him, say hi. And he's like, you know, dialed in, got the thing on. He's like, you know, hi, whatever. He wants to get back to his warm up. So I'm like, okay, I understand. And Nick gives him the effing death stare. Like, dude, be cool. <laughs> what are you doing? Get lost. Stop embarrassing me. I was kind of like annoyed. Like, I was like, oh God, of course the Dallas Stars are coming in. It's embarrassing. <laughs> like, but I was doing like my warm up and stuff. I'm wearing like my, you know, tights, I guess you can say. And he's coming in with his peat coat and stuff and smiling. And I'm like, just get this over with. <laughs> Stop embarrassing me, bro. <laughs> and so, yeah, at that moment, it was all business for the next three hours. Yeah, and that ends, that business ends with Nick and the Leafs winning that first meeting for nothing. And so tell me about the first time that they met this season. Pablo, again, you could not write this fan fiction itself. It's that good of a story. Nick is still trying to break through in the NHL and get consistently in that Toronto Maple Leafs lineup. When he did make his debut this season, it actually, ironically, was a game against the Dallas Stars. Do you want to guess who scores the overtime winner for their first goal of the season? Mm. Two on one Dallas. Here's Ben in and Robertson knocked him away. And Robertson's away. Samsonov got knocked down at the other end. Robertson! 
And so we should also be mentioning here that these two teams, the Leafs of the Stars, played again last night. It is Robertson Family Week, of course. And the Leafs won again. They just keep, Nick keeps dominating Jason in this family feud. And, and both teams are admittedly still having really good years. But for Jason, right? Like, despite that, how do you contextualize his place in particular atop the league right now? Well, it's an incredible season, but I don't think that we can really talk about how amazing it is without talking about the context of where the Dallas Stars are as a franchise. Uh, They made it all the way to the Stanley Cup final in 2020. That was the bubble season, remember? Mm. Jason was a black ace. He was there just to kind of gain experience, be around the guys, but never got on the ice. They were viewed as one of the most unlikely Stanley Cup finalists in modern history. Yeah. And after that year, everyone's all of a sudden saying, Tear this team down. They have $20 million <laughs> committed to two players, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, who had regressed significantly thanks to some pretty significant injuries. In most typical contexts, this is a team that would need to go through a rebuild. Because they drafted so well, because they landed on players like Jason Robertson in the second round, they have retooled on the fly so successfully. And now the face of this franchise is no longer Jamie Benn, the captain. It's not Tyler Sagan. It's Jason Robertson. And the fact that he is the one, Jason is scoring all of these goals and lifting them in the way they are to be a legitimate playoff contender. They are exceeding expectations atop the competitive central division. That is why he's being talked about as an MVP. So Emily, I should also admit that when I think of the top scorers in the NHL, the Alex Ovechkins or the Connor McDavid's, uh, the Sidney Crosby's, the Austin Matthews, I I think of them as sort of standing in this VIP section with a really good, very careful bouncer (laughs) guarding the entrance. And I didn't realize they were just letting in like second rounders. Like Jason Robertson, I didn't realize that you could have someone like that who did not have anywhere close to the hype of these top picks actually make it to where they are. Well, Pablo, the club for many, many years was very exclusive. I think that the NHL has never been more inclusive, really, because of the way that we've been so obsessed with growing the game and cultivating hockey communities all over the country. These players can sprout out of nowhere, and sometimes they do get overlooked in drafts, or sometimes they're late bloomers, and it's all about player development. But the opportunity for a player who was picked number 35 overall to be the greatest goal scorer of the season, that opportunity has never been greater. And speaking of just belonging to this club, the club of hockey, but also of sports in general, I mean, look, let's be honest here, right? Growing up Filipino-American has pretty much always meant that you had to identify with people who look nothing like you, um, whether it's the NHL or any other sport. And now, I mean, Jason Robertson is this, like, truly electrifying character who is showing... I, I can just speak for myself here... He's electrifying because he's showing that, wait a minute, you can live in a world where your idol actually resembles you. And that that power, Emily, I just wonder how he encounters it. I, I wonder how he feels it as he goes about his life these days. Yeah, like, so growing up in L.A., it was such a diverse community. When he was on the ice, there was other Asian kids. There were Hispanic kids because that was who was represented in the community. And as he moved to Michigan and rose higher in the ranks of hockey, there were less and less people that looked like him. 
So it became kind of weird to him when he got to the NHL that people were so fixated on asking him about it. And Mm. he never really felt burdened by it, to be honest. He's just like, this is who I am. But now that he's in the league and establishing himself as a star, he realizes it is a big deal. Because after games, there are kids that want to come up and meet him and saying, I've never seen a player that looks like me perform on this stage. pretty special and it's kind of inspiring to, to see that I can uh, be a role model and you know I have a lot of kids and people come up to me and be like oh you're Jace Robertson and they're Asian and they want a picture or you know I remember going to a game in the, during the season I saw a Filipino flag I thought so it's, it is awesome. He looks into the crowd in some games and sees Filipino flags waving in NHL arenas. <laughs> it's crazy. And he's like This is crazy. This is pretty cool. And so for him, the most important thing is, okay, I understand that I have this platform and this visibility. While it doesn't burden me, there is a responsibility to demonstrate how to do things the right way. Be a good teammate and show good work ethic. Those values that were ingrained in his Filipino culture of hard work and family not change who he is, because the reason all these people are flocking to him is inherently because of who he is. And that's a really cool and powerful thing to accept. Yeah, maybe the best player in hockey is this Asian-American kid, this Filipino 23-year-old. And my mind continues to be just lying all over the floor in a million pieces because of that. But at the very end, there is one more piece that I need from you. Because I know, look, you have a hockey nickname, Capper, that's been established on this program before. Does Jason Robertson have a nickname that is suitable? Do we need to give him one? Where is he on that front? You know, I feel like it is my duty at this company to hype up hockey players. And as creative as they are on the ice, I find them to be more creative off the ice in a lot of times. And there are some great hockey nicknames out there. There's a rookie with the Montreal Canadiens right now, Arbor Jackeye. The last name is so hard to spell. It's X-H-E-K-A-J. I'm probably messing it up that his teammates (laughs) call him Wi-Fi because it looks like a Wi-Fi code. Oh, that's good. That's real good. So um, it is my pleasure to report to you that Jason also has a creative and, in my opinion, beyond acceptable nickname. In the Stars locker room and around the league, he is Robo. Yeah, there's no improving on that. Yeah, no, Robo is great. Robo is automatic. Robo is a machine. And Robo is also my new favorite hockey player of all time. So Emily Kaplan, thank you for truly introducing me to his story. I appreciate you covering the topic and this excellent player in my sport. And all I have to say is, Salamat. Maraming Salamat. Thank you very much. And yeah, at this point, we now got to go get Lechon. It's kind of like the pork roll of the Philippines. So I think you might enjoy it. You want me to go eat delicious Filipino food? Say less, Pablo. I'm there. Sold. Until then, I am Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.